You're listening to a podcast by Lance Lambert Ministries. For more information on this ministry, visit lancelambert.org. What is the fear of the Lord? There is a fear from which we need to be delivered, and there is a fear which we need to practice. In this episode, Lance reads from Psalm 25, 12 through 14, and gives several examples of the positive consequences of fearing the Lord in a right way, as well as what the fear of the Lord is and is not. Let's listen. I want to read in the 25th Psalm, Psalm 25. We haven't the time to read the whole Psalm, but I want to read verse 12 and 13 and 14. Verses 12, 13 and 14 of Psalm 25. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he instruct in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease. And his seed shall inherit the land. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And he will show them his covenant. Or, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and his covenant to make them know it. I like that. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and his covenant to make them know it. Why is it that so few of the people of God have any real understanding of the ways of God. You will remember that it says somewhere in one of the Psalms that God showed his acts unto the children of Israel, but his ways unto Moses. How is it that so few of us believers really understand the Lord? Really know the Lord in an intimate, deep, direct way. Of course, if we are saved, we know the Lord. We know whom we have believed. We know something of His grace and His power and of His love. But um, God desires that we shall enter into something far more than just a knowledge of what we could call almost the attributes or the external side of God, of His being, of His purpose, of His work. This psalm is all about that. The psalmist is in great trouble. You've only got to read through the psalm to discover that the psalmist, as is so often the case, is knowing quite a lot of conflict and storm. And he says in verse 1, Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, in thee have I trusted. Let me not be put to shame. There's some some attempt to to put this man to shame. 
to disgrace and to dishonor the name of the Lord. He says, let not mine enemies triumph over me. It is quite clear if you read through the psalm that the psalmist is in a battle. And there are forces that are out to rob the psalmist of everything that God has given him. And more than that, to disgrace and dishonor the name of the Lord. Now, dear child of God, with the best motives in the world, if you and I don't understand and know the ways of the Lord, sooner or later the enemy will trip us up. If we just stay at the acts of God, see the mighty works of God, there can be a point at which the enemy can just trip us up and with the best motives in the world, we find that we've compromised the name of our Lord. Don't we all know that in our experience? Things that now we look back upon, we believe that seem to be so right, it all seems that but now we look back upon it, we, we see that it wasn't the Lord. How come we say to ourselves that this should happen? The uh, key to all this is in this verse 14. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and his covenant to make them know it. Now you will see that in your revised version. You have the word the friendship of the Lord. In some of the modern very modern versions. You have the counsel of the Lord. But this Hebrew word. Is the common word for secret. Now there is an old Hebrew proverb. That says. When wine enters, the secret departs. When wine enters, the secret departs. Meaning, the secret purpose of a man. The secret mind of a man. The hidden mind of a man. Get a bit of wine into him and he'll speak it out. How well... Uh, they knew this in the last war when intelligence officers were always told to be very careful over alcohol. Now this word, sud, is the word used here. The secret of the Lord. Meaning not just some little small secret, but meaning the hidden mind of the Lord is with them that fear him. The secret thoughts of the Lord are with them that fear him. God has a counsel. God is working everything according to a purpose. How few Christians really understand what that purpose is. 
Why? It is not just a lack of devotion. No. It's not a lack of zeal. No. I know zealous people. I know devoted people. But they haven't an idea as to the real counsel of God. What he's doing. The secret is the fear of the Lord. Now this... This matter is a vast matter and it is an almost totally unknown subject in the 20th century. What is the fear of the Lord? What does it mean in experience to fear Him? Fear Him, ye saints, says the psalmist in Psalm 34. Serve him with fear, says the psalmist in Psalm 2. The fear of the Lord is clean, says the psalmist in Psalm 19. Hearken unto me, ye children, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord, says the psalmist in Psalm 34. There is such a lot in the word of God about the fear of the Lord the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom mark it well there is no person who has that wisdom from above who does not fear the Lord because you can't start without a beginning that's Irish you can't start without a beginning and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Psalm 111 verse 10. And it is so important that it is repeated in Proverbs 9 and verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 1 verse 7. The chief part of knowledge. I like that. That's what it says in the, in the margin. The fear of the Lord is the chief part of knowledge. Or again, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. All that Christians knew it. How often those who've come into some blessed experience of the Holy Spirit, or some new and deeper way with God, a blight has come upon it. The hands of death have come upon it after a while because of presumption or spiritual arrogance that comes from ignorance. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. A fountain of life. Think, a fountain that plays all the time. Never ceases. The fear of the Lord keeps that spring of living water welling up in you. All the time. The fear of the Lord is strong confidence. That's Proverbs 14 verse 26. 
that fountain of life is Proverbs 14, verse 27. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. That is interesting. So if we put all these things together, we begin to discover that the fear of the Lord covers a tremendous amount. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the chief part of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. The fear of the Lord is strong confidence. That means that when you have the fear of the Lord, then you can go into His presence about a matter with strong What is the fear of the Lord? Now let's get quite clear on this. The fear of the Lord is not heaviness. Some people think that the fear of the Lord means that you never utter a peep. That you sit there with a kind of godly face that betrays nothing. And that this is the fear of the Lord. It is nothing of the kind. I've known people with bland faces that look godly. Who have no fear of the Lord at all in their eyes. That's not the fear of the Lord. Nor is the fear of the Lord some groveling kind of fear. That stops us from praying or praising. Or witnessing. Or taking part in any way. A kind of caution from unbelief that stops us from ever going forward with the Lord. That's not the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is clean. It's not something that has got evil twisted up in it. It's not something that's even got darkness involved in it. The fear of the Lord is clean. No, that's not fear. I have sometimes been told about such and such a person, they have the fear of God. And quite honestly, I think that they need to be delivered from their fear. It's not the fear of the Lord at all. It's not the fear of the Lord at all. Moses was a man who feared the Lord above everything else, and there was no stronger man with the Lord. Look at him marching into the presence of the Lord. And he says, Lord, you brought this people up out of Egypt. How can you dare to take the, to destroy them, Lord? What will the nation say if you destroy them? Oh, Lord, he says, you destroy me, but don't you destroy this people. That was the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord was when Abraham went into the presence of the Lord, when the Lord actually shared his secret with him. He was the friend of God. The friendship of the Lord is with them that fear him. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. He went into the presence of the Lord. And the Lord said, Moses, I will not hide this thing that I'm going to do. Your nephew and, family and, and his family are down there in Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to destroy the lot. So Abraham said, oh Lord. If there are 50 people there that are righteous, would you spare them? Yes, says the Lord. 
if there are 50. No, don't get angry. But if there are 45? Yes, of course, 45. Lord, don't be angry. Is there a 30? Of course. And he went right the way down till at the end he said, Oh, Lord, don't get angry with me. But should there be 10? Yes. If there are, the Lord loved every minute of it. The Lord loved every minute of it. There was nothing irreverent about it, nothing presumptuous, nothing arrogant, arrogant about it. It was the fear of the Lord, clean, that brought that man with strong confidence to be able to talk with the creator of all things and the judge of all things, just as a friend. Oh, there are so many things. We could talk about the fear of the Lord. The only time Moses didn't fear the Lord is when he got fed up with the people of God. They murmured and they groaned and they criticized. He couldn't turn this way and there was something wrong. Turn that way and there was something wrong. Go forward and there was something wrong. Go backward and there was something wrong. He got so fed up with it in the end that he took the rod and struck the rock twice and said, you rebellious people. And the Lord said, Moses, you will never go over into the promised land. Now, that was a breakdown in the fear of the Lord. Think that one out. He lost the inheritance in one sense, physically. The thing that his whole life had been given to, to go over physically into the land, he was not permitted to do. The other side of the fear of the Lord was in fact in David. Do you remember that the Lord said to David that he would be king and indeed Samuel anointed him as king even while Saul, the king, was still alive. And there came a time, you will remember twice in fact, when the king Saul who was pursuing David night and day with murderous intent fell into David's hands. And the men round David said, give us the word and we'll polish him off and you'll be king tonight. And David said, no, no, I couldn't do that. No. But he cut off the end of his... Um, well, it would have been trousers today, but you know what I mean. He just cut the end off, and when Saul had gone out, David yelled at him from some high, craggy precipice, Saul, look what I've got here. It was the fear of the Lord that stopped him from, from taking things into his own hands. He could, have, he could have fulfilled the purpose of God in a solid hour. Less than an hour. The whole purpose of God could have been helped forward by some years. But it was not the Lord's purpose. David had another four or five years in the wilderness before he was to become king. And in those years he learned lessons that were to stand him in good stead all the rest of his life. 
The fear of the Lord with King Hezekiah was that when he was sick nigh unto death, he turned his face to the wall and, and thought that he would not again look upon the land of the living. And then he cried to the Lord with such passion. I remember Miss Fishbarker once saying to me, you can get anything out of the Lord if you want to. I've never forgotten that. You can get anything out of the Lord if you want to. He sought the Lord and the Lord said, Try that dear man, I love him so much. I shall have to give him another 15 years. It was because he did not fear the Lord that he asked for another 15 years. They were years of sorrow, backsliding, and great unhappiness. Think about it. The fear of the Lord. We could go on and we could go on and we could go on. I could take you through all kinds of incidents and stories where we can see the secret of the Lord is with them that fear you. You remember, of course, the time when the ark of the Lord was captured by the Philistines. Oh, what a time they had. They thought it was the most wonderful thing in the world when they got, they captured the ark. And they put it in the house of Dagon, in I think it was Gath or Ekron, one of the two, or Ascalon, or Ashdod. And what happened was, there is the, well, in fact, I mean, just wait, you won't laugh when I tell you. Uh, wherever they put it, something happened. First they put it in this place, and all the men of the city came out with the most terrifying ulcers. So they said, get rid of the ark on to the next city. The next city, they all came out in boils. Get rid of the ark on to the next city. The next city, you remember, they came in and found Dagon the fish god, fallen flat on his face, his head off, his arms off, and his legs off. So they said, we've had enough of the ark of the Lord. Now these were unsaved, uncircumcised Philistines. They put the Ark of the Lord upon a new cart. At least they had that reverence for it by then. On a new cart that had never been used. And then they put oxen that had never known the yoke. And their wise men, and they were wise, said, let it go. It will go back of its own accord. To Israel. And it went back of its own accord. And the, and the record puts it beautifully. The oxen lowing. As they went. What a sight through those valleys. As you heard. The, as that went. The old trundling cart. With the ark of the Lord. Well the children of God you see. They thought now the ark of the Lord has come back. Now we will take it up into Jerusalem. They bought back the ark of the Lord to Jerusalem. They thought they would do just about the same thing. If it had come back of its own accord on a new cart. Surely the thing is to let it continue its journey to Jerusalem. What happened? One man called Azza. Put forth his hand when the cart went over a rut. And tried to stop the ark from falling off. And he died by the hand of God because there was no fear of the Lord in his eyes. 
Now you may say, I cannot, I've never been able to understand that story. It seems so harsh and severe, but this is the point. That man should have understood that if God could bring back the ark all the way from Philistine country without his help, he could keep it on the ark without his help. But a much deeper lesson that I'm sure you all know now was that the ark should have been on the shoulders of Levites. That is the fear of the Lord. Listen again. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and his covenant to make them know it. There would have been some inner restraint, some seeking of the Lord's face, some inquiring of the Lord as to what we now do. You've brought it back. And the Lord would have been able to have shown them, as he had to later, that it must go on the shoulders of men, special men, back to the house of God. The fear of the Lord is not some groveling fear, some kind of bondage you fear, some fear that has torment, that has within it condemnation. Oh, that kind of fear has nothing to do with God at all. It's from the devil. And it's the very thing that the Lord Jesus has come to deliver us from. There are two kinds of fears in Psalm 34. The fears from which you are delivered and the fear which you must learn. It says in Psalm 34 that I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. It says in verse 9, O fear the Lord, ye his saints. There is no want to them that fear him. Come ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Two kinds of fear. One from which we must be delivered, the other which we must learn. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and his covenant to make them know it. Now the secret counsel of the Lord is something more than his covenant. His covenant is the means by which he's brought us into his counsel, into his eternal purpose. We must know both his covenant and his secret. This secret I always link up with what, what is called in the New Testament the mystery. It's the same word again, secret. Something hidden revealed to us by the Spirit of God. Oh, we've got it in the New Testament. We've got to have the eyes of our hearts enlightened that we might understand we must be given and granted a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of the Lord but there it is the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and you will see straight away verse 12 what man is he that feareth the Lord him shall he instruct in the way that he shall choose you see, the psalmist has been saying in verse 4, Show me thy ways, O Lord. 
teach me thy path. Guide me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation. Now comes the answer from God. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease. Your revised standard version says, shall be in prosperity. And his seed shall inherit the land. Oh, we do not know much about the fear of the Lord today. It is a forgotten quality. I must tell you that wherever I go, I sometimes nearly tremble at the lack of the fear of the Lord. I see the Lord's table grasped by hands that are saved, thank God, but with no fear of the Lord. And I'm not talking about some kind of sanctimonious reticence. But the fear of the Lord which is clean. Which means that people can come into his presence and talk with God. And lift up their heads to God. Not, But lift up their heads to God. That's what I'm talking about. Not that other kind of bondage. I'd never forgotten going into a meeting in another country of exclusives, of a particular brand. Never once in the whole hour that I was in that meeting did anyone lift their head, their eyes from off the ground. Bless them. The only people who half lifted their heads were the sisters who were not permitted to take part in any shape or form. But when a brother spoke, always with his eyes to the ground, some sisters lifted their heads just a little to see who it was. I've never forgotten it. It was the same atmosphere as I first encountered when I went for the first time years ago behind the Iron Curtain. An atmosphere of bondage, fear. That's not the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is when Moses went up into the presence of the Lord and saw his glory pass before him. The fear of the Lord is when Moses saw him, as it says, face to face and lived. Fear of the Lord. Jacob, I suppose you might all say, was a man who had not too much of the fear of the Lord. But that's where you're wrong. Jacob was a twister, a deceiver, the biggest swindler by nature in the Middle East. But... Jacob did know the fear of the Lord. When there came a moment when God met Jacob, do you know what the fear of the Lord did to him? He wouldn't let him go. That was the fear of the Lord. Once his moment of visitation had come, 
he would not let the Lord go. I will not let thee go until thou bless me. It was the fear of the Lord. Fear, you say? Fear of the Lord? Yes, fear of the Lord. Fear that if he let that opportunity slip through his fingers, there would never be another visitation again. Oh, child of God, listen to me. The fear of the Lord comes out in all kinds of ways. Depart from evil, do good. And so many other things. Sometimes it will get to the root of a critical spirit, which is always evidence that there's no fear of the Lord. Sometimes it will get down to hands that want to perform the will of God before the time of the Lord. An Ishmael instead of an Isaac. There are all kinds of ways that God would deal with this thing. But let me say this, especially to those of you who are teenagers. You're living in an age which doesn't even naturally know anything about the fear of the Lord. Beware. Holy things are holy things. The presence of the Lord is the presence of the Lord. He has not changed. Not in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament it says, We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Therefore, let us give to him, let us have grace, whereby we may offer service well-pleasing to God with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. That's the New Testament, not the Old. God is the same today as yesterday. He will be the same tomorrow. Oh, if there's anyone here and God's moment of visitation has come to you. God's time when he would pour out a blessing upon you. Don't let it go. Don't let such an appointment with God be missed. Let the fear of the Lord cause you to take hold of God and not let him go till he has done what he purposes in you. Shall we pray? <coughs> what man is he that feareth the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way which he shall choose, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and his covenant to make them know it. O Lord, we pray together that thou wilt deliver us from all those fears which have torment in them, which have condemnation in them, which are bondage. By thy blood, by that finished work, deliver us from all our fears. And, O oh God, give us, we pray, that fear of the Lord, 
which is clean, the beginning of wisdom and the instruction of wisdom. Hear us, Lord, we pray. We pray for the young ones amongst us. May they know, Lord, in these days when it's so seemingly unnatural, may they know the fear of the Lord, keeping them from evil and causing them to walk in the way that thou shalt choose. O oh, Father, we can only rely on thee to write thy word in our hearts through the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. May the Lord teach you the true fear of the Lord. May you know the deep, deep love of Jesus.